Just You Podcast. We'll be conducting a conversation inside the music. Conversations inside the music, where we discuss the topics you think about when you're chilling with your fuzzy slippers and your onesie. Yeah! Welcome to Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. What's the deal? Yours truly, the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. Hi, this is Jill Scott, a.k.a. Jilly de Philadelphia. Hey, this is Gerald Beasley. Conversations Inside the Music. With my dear friend, the amazing Carol Riddick. So get ready to join in on the conversation and chill with us on another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. With Carol Riddick. Welcome to today's edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. Today's guest is a Washington, D.C. native who's a virtuoso of the hip-hop genre and the go-go circuit. He brought everybody to the dance floor with his acclaimed song, Let Me Clear My Throat, <laughs> which I might add, charted around the world and is the official goal song of several major league sports teams. It's also featured in the classic movie Office Christmas Party. Family, welcome to today's conversation with none other than the legendary DJ Cool. Hey there. How you doing? You will not complain. How about you? I'm fine. I'm I'm on my feet. <laughs> I know, hello. Hello. Right? We're happy to be upright. I understand. Yes. I overstand. <laughs> Let me tell you first. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, coming to sit and talk with me today. I truly, truly appreciate you doing so. I mean, more than I can, like, even express. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm just going to jump right in. I want to let everybody know that, you know, although you and I have a limited experience with one another, you jumped into action. I asked for your help to motivate some young adults who were learning a dance routine. You probably don't even remember this. I just have so much admiration for you as an artist, but now even more so as a human being for, you know, being supportive. And you did a video encouraging them and they were so excited because you were so supportive and, and you, like I said, did not hesitate. Has humanitarianism always been a part of who you are? Uh, I guess it's been a part of me uh, overall. Just That's just how I am. You know what I mean? I have a lot of empathy. I don't know if you want to get into zodiac signs and stuff like that. I'm a Pisces. We're always the ones that no matter who the person is, we always look for the good in them first. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, empathy is, is something that is natural to me. You know, if, uh, uh, if something's going on with somebody, I'm quick to, you know, be the one to give them my ear and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, um, yeah, I just generally like people for the most part. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. to you do something to make me feel otherwise. And then I probably still won't dislike you, but I'll know who you are and I know what I'm dealing with and I know, you know, how to work my way around or through you. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. We have that in common. I ain't got time to be, mad, to be mad at nobody. You know what I mean? That's a waste of my energy. Well, how about this? I mean, life is too short. I know how to shift gears and go right around you. <laughs> I know you do, Pisces. I have just a few questions for you today because I am so interested in your journey. Um, I actually started as a mobile DJ in 1978, working with a company called The Sound Service. Uh, shout out to my man, Dr. Ashton Reed. 
he had a mobile DJ company back then, and that's how I started doing mobile stuff with him for a year. 1979, a guy named Keith Jefferson came up to me and said, man, you should be in clubs. So he gave me an opportunity to uh, work at a club that he was leaving called the Paragon 2 that used to be in uh, here in D.C., in Northwest D.C. I played at every major urban club in this area from 1979 all the way up to 1996. Wow. That, now that's a journey. Dr. Greaves at the time, he just happened to be going to Howard University. And his mother at the time was an educator at Howard. They had a little money. With that, like he just had this elaborate sound system. He had multiple systems. Uh, whereas he could actually contract us out to do, you know, different things. But I mostly did a lot of the main stuff, like the bigger stuff I did with him. Like okay. stuff, uh, I don't know, the President's Picnic at Howard University, all the big, you know, Howard events that were going on at the time, and then some other things that we've done. And that was only for a year, though. That was my first year. After that, I was in clubs. I was gone. I didn't, I didn't do anything on the road, per se, until I became an artist in 1986. I had a song called The Music Ain't Loud Enough. That's when I started to venture out music, hitting the road. Shout out to Dick DeBerry. He was the guy that owned the label at the time called CFM Records, which stands uh, so for Creative Funk Music. We had a, a big regional record at that time, which later on went national. And it was mm -hmm. the first record to come out of this region of its kind, mixing go-go and hip-hop together that actually got a chance to go regional, then national. We hit the billboard charts and everything. I released mm -hmm. four singles, basically one single a year, because back then, you know, if you had a hot record, them records would go on. Like, mm -hmm. so I was fortunate enough to where I could drop a record and a record that lasts a year for me. It was crazy. Right, right. So I dropped, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Music Ain't Loud Enough, How Low Can You Go, What the Hell You Come In Here For, Re uh, Reggae Dance, and Reggae Dance came out in 1990. Um, and then the album, the Music Ain't Loud Enough album came out and it had a few other singles on it. Wow, you just had me relive all the memories when you were just talking about it. You know, if you're familiar with all of that music, yeah, that is pretty much our region. Um, DJ Red Alert gave me a lot of support back in those days. Because I was on an indie label, so we didn't have the, uh, um, the types of money that, that, that was needed to really blow an artist up from a marketing perspective. You know what I mean? Absolutely, so, absolutely. You didn't know my face, but you knew my music. My management of Walt Reader Jr., Mm -hmm. was like my brother, he was my family, you know what I mean? Big Block Entertainment, like I would take a bullet for him. Mm. You know? Yes, I would. Okay, cool. I'm now, still, you don't know how sensitive yeah, I am, yeah. but don't have me on here crying. I'm telling you the truth, like that's how it is. Right before my mother passed in uh, 2001, she had a, a phone conversation with them. She said, look, I don't care what you do, you just make sure you take care of my son. I'm my only child, you know what I mean? And so he is gone above and beyond <laughs> like what she what she asked him to do he's been taking care of that to the letter mm -hmm. that's a testament that's a testimony i feel the genuineness and everything you just said and the sincerity as well and you just don't have you don't have many people like that in your life you know walt is family to me miss bonnie family to me as yeah. well they they are family so you were just telling me about the singles that you released, but what was the transition like creating this music, releasing this music, and then getting to let me clear my throat? Ah, well, <laughs> <laughs> for me, creating music, that, that was nothing. I mean, that's, that was the easy part. I'm a DJ and I'm very musically inclined. And so 
actually being able to put together stuff, like put together musical arrangements and stuff like that and write to these songs was easy for me at the time because that's the way my mind worked. So working up to a song like uh, Let Me Clear My Throat, which was what I like to tell people was the pure act of God. That is nothing that I sat down and thought up. That just happened. Yeah, that happened. That was one night in a club, basically. The idea for it was something that happened in a club one night. I recorded it. I recorded a snippet of it. Don Mystic Mac, who used to be on air up there, he calls me, cool, you got people going crazy over this go-go stuff. I had a song called 20 Minute Workout. Yes. Oh, yeah. wait a minute. Okay, that record. But I put the snippet of the idea for Let Me Clear My Throat at the end of 20 Minute Workout. So the he told me, he said, man, you got people popping off this dog on or the 20 minute workout record, this go-go thing you guys say, but what they, what they really going off on is what you're doing at the end of it over that 900 number when you're talking about let me clear my throat. What is that? Like, you need to come up here and see this. So Power 99 had their big powerhouse show. I came up there. DJ Rand was playing for intermission. He put on the let me clear my throat snippet. 16,000 people stood up in the core state center. Me and my DJ at the time, DJ 20, who you hear me shouting out in that record, I'm like, okay, I need to go home and make this a song. I came home, I got my thoughts together. Walt just happened to book us for a show at Bahama Bay. So I say, look, man, I, say, I got this idea. We're going to record this song live at Bahama Bay. We did it, and the rest is history. <laughs> my First of all, goodness. the other thing is it was in one take. The audience didn't even know that we were doing a live recording. The only people that were there that knew that I was uh, doing a live recording was my sound engineers, the people that had, the, you know, the uh, mobile uh, recording uh, set up. The same thing when we did the um, the video version at Club Gotham, mm -hmm. another purely live situation, purely organic. I called in Bismarcky. Um, I called in Dougie, and I said, listen, when they got that, like, you know, they were familiar with the song, obviously, but I said, listen, I said, I'm ready to flip it. I said, Dougie, I need eight bars from you. I said, Biz, I need eight bars from you. What you hear on that remix version, on that video version, those are freestyles. Are you serious? Dougie is a master at just yeah. coming up with, we've been doing that for years. I've been knowing Dougie since 87. Me and him been hitting stages together since 1987. And we have never planned anything. So what I told him was as close to a planned idea as we've ever done. So I said, look, man, I'm going to lead you in and I'm going to lead you out. So he's just following me as we're doing the performance. <laughs> the video people think, and I'm crazy because I said, we're going to record this audio live. They're like, what? I said, yeah, we're recording the audio live. Don't worry about it. Just follow us. Just get the shot. That goes back to what I was saying a moment ago in the fact that I don't really mess with music unless I really feel like doing it. Like if I get an idea and I feel like real strong about it, mm -hmm. that's when I move on it. It's important for us to do that because sometimes we, you know, some of us, we don't listen to that. We don't listen to the no. fact that our spirit's not feeling it in that moment, but you don't get the best of us when we force it. You get it. the force in it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yep. I've never forced nothing. Any DJ Cool record that you've ever, ever heard, I don't care how many of you heard, trust me, it was because I really, really felt like 
doing that. I mean, you it's, it, it just comes out that way. It's like this thing I got now, this record I got uh, called Cha Cha Cha. That track, believe it or not, the track that I have for that record, I produced that track probably like five, six years ago. I just sat on it. I was going through some um, some of my old tracks one day, and uh, you know, I fell on that one. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I was, yeah, I did this one a minute ago. Okay, this still sounds good. Mm-hmm. Pick my pen up. So I was like, man, pick that pen up. Picked it up and I wrote the hook. And I listened back. I, you know, I kept saying it to myself over and over. I said, okay, this sounds like a line dance joint. Everybody, here we go now. Chop, chop, chop. To the right, yes. one side. Chop, chop. To the left. Come on, come on. Chop, chop, chop. So I said, all right. Line dance record. Never done a line dance record before. Never had a, a thought to do, okay, I'm going to do a line dance record today. I, I never done that because I was never really a big fan of, of that type of music. But I said, all right, so now you got a line dance joint. So we we uh, we uh had an event that we did in Indianapolis. Shout out to my man, Amp Harris. And uh, we did something for the uh, the Urban League. So normally, the last song that I, that I perform always is Let Me Clear My Throat. We did that. And I was getting ready to come off the stage, and I told my DJ, I said, hold up for a second. I said, I want to talk to the audience before I come off the stage. I said, man, I got this little idea and that I want y'all to hear. I said, because everybody been asking me, man, when you going to do some new music? When you going to do some new music? And I was like, so I said, I want y'all to hear this, and you tell me what you think. So he played it, and he played the cha-cha-cha. So, you know, all these people sitting down at first, right? Right, right. Everybody start getting up, people getting up one by one by one. Next thing you know, everybody out there trying to follow what I'm telling them to do on the on the song. And I said, "Cuz I said, I said, cut that off and say stop, stop, stop." So then everybody was like, "No, no, no! Why, why you do that, man? Play that again, play that again." I looked at him. I said, "All right, play it again." So what began it did all they had was the, the track and and the hook or you know chorus or what have you. That's mm-hmm, all, mm-hmm. The, all the lyrics on the record on the song rather. So. Um, when it was time for us to leave, like people, man, what, what's up with that? What, what you say the name of that was? When that's coming out, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, just hold on for a second. I'm going to let you know. So when we were going back to the uh, the hotel, uh, the promoter, uh, Amp Harris, who, man, you stupid, man. You should have let that play a little bit longer. I said, no. Nah. I said, I was just checking the temperature. Mm-hmm. I, said, I said, now, when you hear this again, it'll be a whole song. So I came home, and I said, all right, now, what approach do I need to do I need to come with on this one? I say, I don't want this to be your typical line dance, you know, to the right, to the right, to the left, to the left, you know, all the way through. I say, I need to put that DJ Cool thing in there. So I already got the track, I got the hook. I say, now in between each hook, you put these call and response routines. And so now, do you not only have them dancing with you, you got them singing along with you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Most call and response records, for the most part, not call and response, I'm sorry, most um, uh, live dance records are all about, you know, <laughs> just doing the dance. That's it. But once again, cha-cha-cha is you dancing with me, but you also going back and forth. Right. Too, so we're doing the whole thing. So I'm, I'm, if I'm out here performing cha-cha-cha in front of 10,000 people, I got everybody moving and everybody singing at the same time. That's going to be crazy. So we were originally going to release this record back in February. Okay. And then the devil came uh-huh. and said, nope, everybody go in the house. Nobody's doing anything. 
So me and Walt was like, well, let's just go ahead and let that set in the corner pocket for a minute. When I tell you, I could not have imagined. Now, understand I'm familiar with the word. So I understood that there were some things coming down the pipe. We all, we've all read Revelation, but I never thought I would be here to experience anything like this. If you had told me I would, I would, I would not have believed you. I, I feel that same way. I tell, I've been telling people this, and if you want to, you can write this down. I understand that there's always going to be good and evil in this world. Absolutely. And evil is always going to take place. Mm -hmm. Nothing you can do about it. Indeed. But I also understand that God is in control. Always. Okay. Mm -hmm. And really, nothing you can do about that. And I've been telling people that I never seen a time where evil has completely taken over and won mm -hmm. completely. And mm -hmm. I never seen a time when God has lost. Mm -hmm. I'm 62 years old. I have not seen that. And I don't think I am going to see it because you're not going to come mm -hmm. in as a human being, honestly, and think that you're going to get away with doing something that actually disrupts the total order of the universe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now remember the cartoon that used to come on called pinky and the brain i do what did pinky say every day what we gonna do today brain the brain who i call bill gates and all his little cronies and whatnot pinky we gonna take over the world but if you remember every day he had his Brilliant genius plan to take over the world, but it never happened. It never happened. And that's what's going on right <laughs> now. It'll never happen. He could try all he wants. He could try viruses. He could try this. He could try. It's not going to happen. We black. I'm just speaking for our folks right now. Mm -hmm. We black. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is this. Man, look at what our people have been going through for the past damn near 500 years since, you know, the uh, 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 the transatlantic slave trade. Hmm. Let's just start from there. <laughs> okay. Let's start from there. And all those people, some of them made it. Made it over here for the most part. That's why a lot of us are here. Do you know of anybody or do you have any family members that are at least 90 years old? These people made it through the Great Depression, right? Mm -hmm. With way less than what we have Indeed. as far as technology and as far as science and medicine is concerned. Indeed. Indeed. They made it. They still around right now. So if they can make it with basically zero at that time, I mean, come on now. We should be able to make it. But I see, agree. you got these people, these what I like to call them one percenters, or some people call them the elitist, you know, people like Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos. The British royal family, uh, the Waltons, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, and on and on and on. All mm -hmm. of these people, they are some whole other thing. I'm going to break it down and make it real funky. Let's talk about Jeff Bezos right quick. This cat okay. guy, this cat, well, let's not talk about him. Okay. He's in, he's in cahoots with what we, who we should be talking about right now, which is Bill Gates. Because he's the one, this is the brain. Remember we were talking about picking the brain. Indian he's brain. brain. Okay. All right. So, this dude got God knows how much money. So he's in a position to whereas he doesn't have to strive for anything. He can have whatever he wants, as much as he wants, 
of it. He can go any way he wants and do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, when you're working with a person like that, like what what else could that person want? What You know what I mean? Because they got everything. There's nothing that they cannot have one way or the other. Every material thing. What else could they want? Well, they could want to be loved. They could want love. You they know? love their money and stuff. That's what they love is. That's what their God is. What do they want? I don't know what they want. A lot of people would think that they want power. But my thing is they already got power. If you have every material thing that you want, there's some power in that. So what more? What power. Because, you know, like you can't stop me. I can do anything. I can have anything. I can go anywhere. Blah, blah, blah. So to them, that ain't enough, which is crazy. So therefore, now, right now, you're probably thinking, what the hell is who talking about? What I'm trying to tell you is this. These people, when you get to think of stuff like you get up one morning and you say, you know what? You know what, Carl? There's too many people in the world. We need to kill some people off. And, you know, oh <laughs> too many people. So how are we going to do that? I don't know, but we need to figure out. I know we need to do. Let's start a virus and let's get everybody all crazy. Matter of fact, we need to control. We need to have what they call, we're going to call it one world government, where only one person runs the entire world. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we need to we need we need to control all all the currency too. Yeah yeah yeah. We have a one world currency because there's too much different currency going on. We need to have control over everything. Mm-hmm. And you know for yourself that these are not normal thoughts. No, that's evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's evil. When you're tapping into that mindset and you're talking about uh, that level of control, that's evil. That's nothing but evil. That's the way I see it. That's my own personal opinion. That's what it is. That's taking you back to what I was saying earlier about there's always going to be good and evil in this world and mm-hmm. evil is always going to take place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they ain't going to never win. Because mm-hmm. no. control, you cannot, you cannot, as a human, you cannot disrupt the natural order of the universe because you did not create the universe. Mm-hmm. You were put into the universe to do your part in the circle of life. And it's going to keep on going and on because the universe or God has designed it. It's nothing that a mere mortal can do to stop that. Mm-hmm. Let me break this down to you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the British royal family for a second. These people don't even dress themselves. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. They no. do not dress themselves. They have people to come just like their children or something. And they have someone to come and dress them. I would not be surprised if they had somebody, excuse my language, to wipe their ass for I them. Did. I know you were about to say that. I knew you were going. Guys. Wait a minute. You mean this is this is happening in today? Daniel? Right now, the British royal family, the Queen of England, and the other higher up, they don't dress themselves. There's a lot of things they don't do. Look at this. It was a funny movie, but it was a little bit of truth in it. Okay. Coming to America. <laughs> Remember when what name was in the was Eddie Murphy was in the tub and they was bathing him? Yes, I do. I do remember that scene. Who's in that? Really <laughs> whole family. They on some whole other things. This is part of their culture. You know what I'm saying? They, you know, being privileged. You know what I mean? I don't want we to comprehend that. I don't want to because that's, that's, that's I mean that's, that don't even make sense. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't. It it really doesn't. What is it now? I know I've been listening to you talk because I want to bring it back to find out what it is exactly that you do in your downtime. What do you do? What do you what do you do to decompress and you know? I like, I like sports. I like movies. Football. I like basketball. I like baseball. I like sports. 
Yeah, I played organized basketball, organized baseball, organized football. I had NBA dreams one time. You know, I was going to ask you because you, when you mentioned the 20 minute workout, is that because of your attachment to physical fitness and athletics? No, no, no. 20 minute, the, the title or the name 20 minute workout came from um, Jane Fonda's 20 minute workout. Yeah, she had a little, you know, they was doing a little exercises and stuff. Yeah, but this had nothing to do with working out. That's just the, the you know, what I right. chose to call it. Mm-hmm. Well, because what we did was a big call and response routine. You know, okay. uh, is DC in the house? They were not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where they at? Right here. Where they at? Right here. So I'm shouting out to everybody. We going back and forth. So, you know, and and they partying. We working out. You know what I mean? Are you from DC? Born and raised. Every time you see me, you see me with these hats, with these watching yes. hats. This I made this my little like a trademark type thing. I always mm-hmm. rock this pastor's hat down low. Yeah, this this is me, Washington DC, all day. Did you always want to DJ? I tell people if it wasn't for hip hop, I would probably be playing keyboard for Parliament. Once again, before the inception of hip hop, the culture and the music, uh, I was all into all things Parliament Funkadelic. I'm I'm still on the mothership. So I was a very big fan, obviously, of George Clinton and all his creations, but I was definitely a big fan of Bernie Worrell. Who was the lead? Key- well, he's not with. He's no longer with us. He died a few years ago. But he was the one that was coming up with all the keyboard riffs and everything. Matter of fact, the song "Flashlight." He produced that record. Mm-hmm. The only song he played every instrument on that record except drums. I never mm-hmm. knew that. And that hand clap sound that you hear in all in Parliament records that yeah that, that yeah for a snare that's Bernie on the keys. Keep a hand clap sound on the keys. Yeah, or Prophet Five. You know, you got to understand, like, even in hip-hop, like, early hip-hop was all about live musicianship. You know, all of them records that came out on Sugar Hill Records, you know, just to use that label as an example, Sugar Hill Gang, Grandmaster Flash, Funky Four Plus One, uh, West Street Mob, a bunch of those artists from that era, they were all using live musicians. Oh, well, cool. Again, listen, I'm going to have to call you from time to time so we can just chit chat and catch up on things and all that good stuff. And you can educate me some more because you dropped some pearls, you know, today that I didn't have in my back pocket. So I appreciate that. And just know you got love over here. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Family, that wraps up another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with yours truly, Carol Riddick. As always, thank you so much for joining the conversations. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend and be sure to check out prior interviews on any media stream where you typically listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to be notified when new episodes are available. And follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Conversations Inside the Music and on Twitter at Chat and Chill. Whatever you do, be good to you and to those around you. And remember, to whom much is given, much is required. Catch you next time on another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Calvin Reddick. Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick.